All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew, one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and it's good to worship with you. Good morning to all of you online and those of you who are worshiping in the upper room as well. It's good to have you here this morning and be together as God's church. So we are deep into this sermon series that we have entitled DNA. It is this chance and this opportunity leading up to Easter. We set aside this time usually as a special time for reflection, uh, for contemplation. It's historically called Lent. And it's this time leading up to Easter where we examine ourselves and our faith. And so we've been taking the time to look at the essential, fundamental, core basics of our Christian Faith, And through that process, where we began was absolutely, utterly critical to understanding the rest of the series, the rest of our faith. And so what we discovered very early on, and is going to carry all the way through, is that when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to understanding Christianity, Christianity begins with... Excellent. And so Christianity begins with Christ. For those of you who are new, those of you who are a guest this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. In fact, we want to make special provision for you to have a chance to shout out to. So let's try that again, shall we? Christianity begins with? Excellent. Christianity begins with Christ. He is the lens, the framework, the beginning point through which now everything else unfolds. We understand our faith by going to the person of Jesus Christ and asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you say about God? Jesus, what do you say about the Holy Spirit? Jesus, how do you understand, for example, this morning, the church? Jesus, Jesus Christ, How do you see, understand, and describe the church so that we, your church, can rightly understand ourselves in relation to you? So that's this morning. Christianity begins with Christ. Therefore, so does understanding the church. Now, admittedly, it's a little hard. Transparently, right up front, it's, it's a little challenging to talk about because Jesus never actually uses the word church. He never actually says church. And that's because church is not a Greek word from the scriptures. It's not Aramaic, which he would have been speaking. It's not Hebrew. It's actually Scottish English. Who would have thunk? Well, it makes sense. Why? Because we're all English speakers in this room, in this context. You might have multiple languages under your belt, but at least hopefully you understand English, because that's what I'm talking in. And so the word church is an English-based word, and it derives itself historically from a translation, Kyriakon Doma, the Lord's house. That's where the word church comes from or stems from. But that's why it never actually finds its way into the Bible or comes from the Bible. It is a translation that was used used to help understand these gatherings of these Christian people who got together in a building, in a place, the Lord's house, and so it became known as Kirk, Kirk, which then translates and moves into today's language, the church. Now, don't mishear me. That doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't talking about you and me, okay? He did, he just used a different word. And the word that the Bible uses that we understand as church is ecclesia. All right, everybody say ecclesia. 
Excellent. Now you all know two languages, Greek and English. Ekklesia is a Greek word that is used in the latter part of the Bible, the back part of the Bible, to help describe the gathering of Christians. Ekklesia means an assembly, a gathering, a meeting together of Christian people. And this is beautiful for those of you who, who remember from last week. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, according, according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is described as an advocate, an advocate. And the way in which it advocates is that it calls attention to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It says, hey, you need to know and understand Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is about doing. And so what happens and what's beautiful with this is that the root word for advocate in Holy Spirit is the same root word in Greek for church. To call, to summon. Another way, a simple way of saying this is like this. The church, the ecclesia, are the people that the Holy Spirit has called around the common faith in Jesus. That's what the church is. People called around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and putting faith in him. That's what the church, the ecclesia, is it is you and I called together, gathered, meeting in Jesus' name and with faith in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the ecclesia. Jesus does use this word. He only uses it once. It's in a very famous passage, though. It's one that maybe you, may have heard, you might have heard of this before. You might have read this before. If you have, fantastic. If not, no worries. Let me give you the context. Jesus is talking with his disciples, that is, his followers, people who are following him. And specifically, he asks them, hey, you know, we've got some momentum behind this. We've got some popularity rising. But, but in terms of who people think I am, I want to know. Who, who do you think Disciples, those who are closest to me, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I actually am? And one of his disciples, by the name of Simon Peter, gives a response. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replies, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And then he says this, now I say to you, That you are Peter, which translates as rock, or means rock, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That is to say that, that those who have been called around the common confession, those who have a right understanding of who Jesus is, those who are connected to the person of Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Son of God, they are the ecclesia. And that's where Jesus establishes us as a gathered people around the common confession of him as Messiah, Lord, and Savior. That's what defines the church. What defines the church is Jesus. Jesus. Now, 
the Bible will use lots of different word pictures, uh, descriptors to help unpack what the church looks like and means more practically, more tangibly. How do we relate to one another? How do we get along with one another? What's our role in this world? He uses all sorts of beautiful uh, word pictures. Uh, some of the word pictures that you might have heard before or you bumped up against, uh, one of the more popular ones is this. It is the body of Christ. Anyone ever heard that term before, the body of Christ? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, so a lot of you, a lot of you, okay. So the body of Christ is this word picture that helps us as a church relate to and understand ourselves. Uh, Another word picture that the Bible uses, it's a beautiful word picture the Bible uses to help describe and uh, help us understand ourselves, is a family. The family of God. You ever heard that before? Like the family, or church family. You ever hear that before? In fact, the the early disciples took this so seriously, they took this so significantly, that they actually referred to one another as a brother or a sister. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. And so you would go to this assembly, this gathering, you would be part of this ecclesia, and as you met one another, you would say, oh, brother so-and-so, it's so good to see you. Oh, sister so-and-so, it's so good to see you. And it's laying into that imagery, it's laying into that understanding that when you're part of the ecclesia, you're part of a church family. And so for those of you who are part of Christ church, welcome to the family. Glad that you're here. You are part of this body. You are part of this family, which has at our center Jesus Christ. Now, there's one other word picture that I want to focus on this morning. It really helps us, I think, relate to, uh, uh, unpack our understanding of church, simply because we all come from different backgrounds on how we understand and relate to church, okay? And the word picture is a beautiful one. It is, as Jesus' family, tree, more specifically, tree. It is that agrarian tree image. And, in fact, I have for you this morning a tree. Okay, this is called a bonsai. Anybody heard of bonsai? It's like a, a tree in a pot. That's basically what it means, like a little baby tree. So I brought a tree in for you guys to help articulate, illustrate this image and unpack it. And the way we're going to unpack it is roots up. Okay, so we're going to start at the roots. When you think of a tree, a tree has roots, right? The roots are the, the, the beginning place where the seed is planted. The roots sprout from there, right? And you get this root system that really kind of grounds the rest of the growth of the tree. And for us as a Christian people, we actually have roots. We've got roots as a Christian people. Our roots as a faith tradition uh, is, is Jewish. We have Jewish roots, We appreciate, we value, we love our Jewish brothers and sisters because they they are connected to us in so much as they are our roots that we rely on and depend on. This is why, for example, in the Bible, the Bible has two parts to it. It's got what we sometimes refer to as the Old Testament and then the New Testament. The New Testament is super important specifically to Christian people because it's all about Jesus. The Old Testament, if you take just the Old Testament, the Old Testament is actually the Jewish Bible. That's what the Old Testament is. It's the Jewish Bible that we as Christians then grow from and bring alongside of it our confession of Jesus Christ. But our roots are in the Jewish faith. This is why we value the Ten Commandments. You guys heard of the Ten Commandments before? It's kind of a big deal to us. It's part of our roots. 
This is why we, we, we love characters like David, characters like Abraham, characters like Moses. Why? Because our faith roots are very deep. They go back all the way to the beginning. That our faith roots tap into the ongoing redemptive story of God's activity since the beginning. And so the, the, the Jewish faith is valuable. We appreciate it because it, it is our roots. One simple example for you where we can see this in Scripture itself comes out of Isaiah. Isaiah is rich with prophecy or, or, or truth-telling. Prophecy means truth-telling. And one of the truths that it tells us is, is that Jesus is going to come. We know Jesus is going to come before Jesus actually shows up. That's prophecy. It's, this, it's telling the truth about the future. And the truth of the future is out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. It's picking up on the same imagery of a tree, agrarian, and it's saying, look, there's a roots here. There's a stump here. There's, there's, there's so much that God has already been doing. But out of that is going to come something new, something different. And from that shoot... We get the rest of the tree. We get Jesus Christ. He's referred to sometimes as the shoot of David. It's directly related to this verse. That's because our roots are Jewish. Now, once you've got your roots, we got our roots. We're feeling good about our roots right now. Okay, I got like one head nod. All right, well, thank you. You're feeling good about your roots. Good. Uh, after you get your roots, we get into the tree trunk. Okay. Now, the trunk is arguably the most important part in relation to our understanding and context. Why? Because the trunk, which grows out of the roots, the tree trunk, is the place through which everything else is connected. It is the strongest part. It is the biggest part. It is the part that, 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 that the rest depends on. That if you take away the tree trunk, the roots and the branches are totally disconnected. The tree trunk is that which binds the tree together. Everything grows out of that tree trunk. What unifies, what ties us together, what brings us together is the tree trunk. And for us as a Christian people, our tree trunk is not a thing. It is a person. It is the person of Jesus. Yeah, that's the tree trunk. Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is the, the, the person, the common confession understanding of him as Lord is the, is the thing that binds us and unites us and brings us together. And, and when you're disconnected from that tree trunk, things don't go so well. They don't go so hot. But when you're connected to Jesus Christ, there is life, there is vitality, there is fruit. Jesus himself brings this up and uses this word picture in one of the analogies that he talks about from the Gospel of John. Let me give you the example in John 15. In John 15, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine, okay? And now the vine, you play with the analogy, but yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, okay? I'm the thing which unites it from which all the rest of the branches go out from, okay? So I am the vine, I'm that tree trunk, I'm that centerpiece, and you then, my followers, are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, those who are connected to me, those who remain tied into me as the centerpiece, you're going to produce much fruit. Your life will bear fruit in it. And so Jesus is claiming, he's just overtly saying, I'm the centerpiece, people. 
I'm the centerpiece. I'm what binds you together. I'm what unites you together. You are connected to me. And through me, then, you are connected to each other. But make no mistake, Christ is the centerpiece that unites the ecclesia, the church. Now, from there, we, 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 we get out into the, the, the edges, right? We're getting into the branches. We're getting into the twigs. We're getting into the leaves. Uh, and, and it's, again, playing with that analogy. It's a beautiful word picture because this is actually very accurate for how you have experienced the church yourself. And even since the beginning, this is an accurate depictor. In the very beginning, uh, there were two big branches, two big branches, Jews and non-Jews, that both agreed and both believed in Jesus. But the way that the Jews approached Jesus and related to Jesus was different than the non-Jews. The non-Jews were often Greek. They had different practices. They had different backgrounds. They had different value sets, experiences, and languages. But they, too, began to believe in Jesus Christ. And there were differences between the two. The Jews and what became called the Gentiles, the Gentile is simply a non-Jew, they, they sometimes had struggles. They sometimes had differences. They sometimes didn't get along a lot because they had differences. Everything down to, like, what food can we eat? What food should we, should we, should we be able to, to enjoy as part of our diet? Okay? And there were differences. There were differences on what they thought and what they practiced. And that's okay. Why? Because what brought them together was not what food they ate. What brought them together was the person of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about this. One of the guys who was an early pastor in the church, Paul, very influential, was a Jew, but spoke and really, really pastored a lot of churches that were full of not-Jews, Gentiles. And in the process of speaking to these non-Jews, these Gentiles, he even says, you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, you've been grafted in. You've now become part of the family of God. You weren't, you weren't part of this whole original root system thing, but you've been grafted into the family tree. And so you are now, because of your faith in Jesus, you're united and tied into God's ongoing redemptive story. You're tied into Jesus. And so you're a part of this. And that's what he says. Now, we, we don't today really have those categories of Jews and non-Jews as, as frequently. We don't use that. Um, but we have other categories that help us relate to and understand this image. The most popular one and one that you might have in your own backdrop is the word denomination. Anyone ever heard of that word before, denomination? Okay, some of you. Uh, denomination, uh, denominations are a good thing. I'll say that flat out right up front. Denominations are a good, healthy, right thing. Uh, we, they often get misunderstood. What a denomination is, is a, is a branch. It's, it's a branch that helps people relate to and understand how they connect to the family tree. That's what it does. The, the denominations help us understand, relate to, interpret the scriptures, apply faith into our life. They help us talk about Jesus. And so denominations are a really healthy, good thing because they point out that we're actually a very diverse family tree. We're a very diverse family tree. The problem with denominations and the issues that sometimes happens even down to a local church, our local church, is when you look at the church down the street and they do things different and you start to rub against them and you depreciate or devalue them because they do things different. This happens even within the context of a church itself. Let me tell you why. Some of us like organ music. Some of us like guitars. Just saying, same concept. 
we relate to Christ, we connect to Christ, we understand and articulate our faith in a way that binds us to Christ, but sometimes we allow the, the differences of music or the way we interpret a scriptural piece or what translation of the Bible we like more, we allow those things to actually begin to outweigh the value of seeing ourselves as connected to the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's part of the warning that we hear this morning and that we see in this image is that the tree is helpful because it helps us understand, look, we're not all the same. We're different. We got different life experiences, we have different backdrops, we have different experiences that will lead us to articulate and understand the faith differently, and that's okay. Because what binds us together, what unites us, what makes us whole, what grafts us into the family tree, and and the reason we can find our place here is not based on us but on Jesus Christ. On Jesus Christ. That means that, you know, I I fit in this family tree. You fit in this family tree. You are a part of the family tree. Uh, I know for myself, I land on the Lutheran branch. I'm a Lutheran. I love it. I love my heritage there. I love the way that the faith articulates itself there. Um, But, you know, I I didn't always get this image and the importance of being connected to the tree trunk. In fact, let me give you a quick example, a quick story. I was a cheeky young man. Uh, In in second grade, uh, I actually attended a Roman Catholic uh, school. I went to Roman Catholic school despite being a Lutheran, okay? And my favorite class was religion class. I loved it. I have a distinct memory. Oh, there was one time that, the, the, oh, she was so gracious. She was so good. She was living out the Christian faith in a way that was so far beyond me. She, the teacher asked the students of the class, how many sacraments are there? And uh, uh, for those of you familiar or have a backdrop in that, the Ro- in Roman Catholicism, there are seven sacraments. Okay, there are seven. Now, like I said, I was cheeky. So I knew that Roman Catholics believed in seven sacraments. My hand went up. Now, not everybody else's hand went up. In fact, nobody else's. Because, come on, let's be honest, it's not a really hot topic. <laughs> but for me, I was excited. I'm like, oh, I got this. So she, like, she called on me. She said, okay, Andrew, how many? And I said, well, you think there's seven. There's actually only two. Yeah, I had the audacity to say that. I'm embarrassed. I'm confessing. I'm showing my, I'm bearing my heart, right? All right, let's just be honest because what binds us together is the reality of our brokenness and our need for Jesus. And in that moment, she was gracious despite my need for Jesus and for some forgiveness. But interestingly enough, that school taught me, my experience in the Roman Catholic environment taught me the value of how I'm actually very much so tied to, bound to, my brothers and sisters who express and understand the faith differently. The best image that I can draw on that was very informative for me in my life was in second grade, same school. It was second grade graduation. You know when you're young, like every year's a graduation? You know what I'm talking about? It was like one of those moments. So I'm in second grade. It's second grade graduation. It was mass. And my parents were there. And uh, mass finished. And we got up, and, and I was sitting with my class, and I went to go find my parents. I went to go find my mom and my dad. Now, my dad is a Lutheran pastor uh, and has that background. Has that ba- he, he has his place and his understanding within the, the, the family tree. And I remember turning around and going down the, the center. They had a center aisle. And as I walked down the center aisle, I remember witnessing my dad 
talking to, shaking hands with, and then even hugging Father Dave. Father Dave was the Catholic priest. He's a great guy. Uh, he told fishing stories all the time for Mass. Uh, his hands, he would shake every student's hand as we left. His hands were huge. I remember my hand just being swallowed in it. And he had a lot of big, thick calluses. Uh, ironically, I think probably from fishing, because all the guy did was fish. Uh, Father Dave had a beautiful, robust, intricate faith. Now, it's different than mine, but it was beautiful. And in that moment as a second grader, I witnessed my father, who had a different faith, faith practice, connecting with Father Dave. Why? How? How can that be? Well, it's because of this. It's because although we might locate ourselves differently in the family tree, what binds us together and what unites us more than anything, connects us, is the person of Jesus Christ. It is the person, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that connects us. It is his reconciliation not only to God the Father, but even to each other that's part of our Christian faith. One of the things that I love about Christ Church, we're a microcosm of this. We are a small image of this. We a hodgepodge, is what I tell people. We're a total hodgepodge. I love it. As a hodgepodge, I love it. I love the fact that we as a church body live and exemplify this. Even down to the fact that right now there are people worshiping. Our brothers and sisters are literally in a different room that I'm talking in. But what's binding us together is our common confession of Jesus Christ. You're having incredible worship up upstairs right now in the upper room. And you know what? We just finished our 8 o'clock service uh, a little while ago. And you know what's amazing is that we're actually connected to our 8 o'clock service too. Why? Those persons that have faithfully came and sat and worshiped, it's because we're bound together through the common confession of Jesus Christ. That's what unites us. Different styles, different ways of articulating things. Like I said, some people like organs, some people like guitars. Fine, good, whatever. What's important is that we as a church body, and I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Christ Church, I'm talking to you, we can never allow our differences to outweigh the value that we have in the person of Jesus, our connectedness. Let me say that again. What, what, we can never allow our differences, although they are important. Let me validate them. They are important. They are meaningful. Your backdrop in story matters. The way that you articulate and connect to Jesus matters. And I'm able to say that as your brother in Christ, because although your story is different than my story, we are connected through the person of Jesus. And that's, that's where the ecclesia begins. That's where the church begins. Our understanding and our practice of who and what the church is, is defined by what we have in common, Jesus Christ. That he came into this world, lived with his followers, died for them, and rose again. He lived and 
died for the entire tree. In fact, he lived and died and rose again, not just for the Christian tree, but for the entire planet. Jesus died for the entire world and desires that every person be connected and grafted into the family of God. And so the ecclesia, those who have been called to faith in him, continue to gather and call others whom he died for to join the church and be a part and connected to the person of Jesus Christ. We're a church for those who aren't here yet because we believe God is going to continue to build the family tree in and through us as more and more people join our ecclesia and are connected to the person, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Amen, good? Let's pray together. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, saving Christ, calling Spirit, we thank you and we praise you for those gathered in this room, those gathered in this church building, those following along online, those who are a part of our church family, this ecclesia. We thank you that you have called Christ church into being. And that through us you would continue to graft more and more people into your family, connect them to your salvation, your grace, your love, and your forgiveness. Lord, we confess that so often our differences sometimes get in the way of connecting. They, in our brokenness, we allow those differences to become more important than our connectedness. We're, we're sorry. And yet in your grace, you continue to call us to gather together. In your goodness and in your forgiveness, you continue to bring us to your table. You bring us to the gift of baptism. You bring us to the gift of being in fellowship with one another. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we pray that we would always be Christ's church as much as we are Christ's church. And that we would never move from being connected, intimately tied into you, your life, your death, your resurrection, and all that entails. Empower and embolden us now as we bear fruit for you in this world and invite more and more people to become part of your family tree. We pray this, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen.